Temple Talk on Israel National Radio. Tuesday, live, two-hour special Temple Talk, the 2nd of March, 2010, the 16th of Adar. We'll be taking your calls. We're looking forward to talking to you, our listeners. Rabbi Chaim Richman and Yitzchak Reuven, live, Temple Talk, post-Purim, pre-Pesach program, 3 p.m. Israel time, 8 a.m. Eastern. Call in, be part of it. Temple Talk, it's not just about the building, it's about the spiritual revolution of the Holy Temple and the Jewish people. Now, the only independent news talk network in the Middle East, Israel National Radio, presents the Tovia Singer Show. Here's Tovia Singer! Jews and Gentiles, lovers of Zion around the world, you are listening to the Tovia Singer Show, Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. All right, you can call now with all your brilliant questions. 1 800. 270-4288, the number to dial anywhere, and I mean that, anywhere, that makes no difference to us, anywhere around the world, don't touch the dial. Alright, Singer here, Israel National Radio, IsraelNationalRadio.com. Um, there's so many news stories to go with over here. Australia is angry with Israel and saying that if you want to be friends, you can't use our passports. We just tell us if you want to be friends, they stay the heck out of our way. All right, that and much more coming, and I'm going to take your questions live right here on Israel National Radio, 1-800-270-4288. And we'll do is we'll just go to the callers, and we have one right now. We have Carol calling us from the left coast of the United States. Welcome to the show. What is on your mind? Hi, Tobia. I'm asked, I want to ask you about the Reconstructionist movement in Judaism, and I know once in passing you mentioned speaking to some rabbis. The reason I'm asking is my family and I were asked to participate in a bar mitzvah service at a Reconstructionist synagogue. It's my sister's son. Oh, and it's led to great problems within the family because we're not completely traditional, but we're affiliated with a Chabad. And when I read about the Reconstructionists, I'm just shocked. So it's almost at a point where I'm wondering, is this type of movement that Satan is going to a Messianic church? Or how? I try to explain it to my family, how we feel, and they're just very angry at our attitude about it. Mm. So maybe you can give us some insight. It's very hard to try to be traditional when you're dealing with most uh, of your fellow Jews. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, Carol. I think one of the most serious... Uh, criticisms that have been raised against the Reconstructionist movement, which is basically a very modern American-based denomination uh, founded on the ideas of a man named Mordechai Kaplan, who passed away in 1983 or so, uh, is that it in fact uses um, religious terminology spiritual terminology, biblical terminology, to essentially mask a non-theistic, non-believing, virtually atheistic religious belief or agnostic belief, which means that the... the now, it's important to also understand that the Reconstructionist movement is not you won't get a clear statement of what it is that Reconstructionist Judaism believes if you ask a Reconstructionist rabbi. It's usually defined by what they don't believe. 
For example, they don't believe in a personal God. If you pray, um, uh, God doesn't really hear you. Um, all, um, all the anthropomorphic descriptions of God are basically at best uh, imperfect metaphors. Um, and the commandments, they're not binding. And Mordechai Kaplan based this on on advances on discoveries in, in science and events of history, which to me is very shocking because the more we study about the world, at least for me, I'm talking about myself now, the more I learn about science, the more I discover about cells and DNA, the more I learn about nature, the more I'm convinced that there had to have been a creator because it's so overwhelming. And I know this is really offensive, but I think that the the criticism against the Reconstructionist movement as using religious Jewish terms to mask a agnostic belief is a similar criticism that's been launched against the Messianic movement in that the Messianic movement also uses Jewish terms and Jewish icons and traditions to mask a a belief system that is completely hostile to the fundamental teachings of the Jewish scriptures. However, you know, the Messianic movement's use of this is far more diabolical than the Reconstructionist movement, because the Reconstructionist movement simply wanted a kind of secular humanism. They didn't want God, but they were very proud of Jewish achievement and Jewish traditional tradition and ideas, and believe that the, it, it's contradictory. That is sort of the aim of the Jewish people as moving towards a belief in a some sort of in some sort of God improves not only the Jewish people but the world. So there's a dichotomy. The Reconstructionist movement also places a more emphasis on traditions than, let's say, the reform movement does, because they believe that Jewish traditions uh, nourish tikkun olam and so on, but they're not, <coughs> it's very amorphic, it's not uh, It's not clear. I don't know if you should have a family fight over this, but uh, I understand but your how concern. Do you, how do you decide, and, you know, and I know each case is personal, but, you, you know, Jew against Jew is like has led to our downfall, right? So, but you get these type of movements, and your family wants you to participate. And it, 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 to me, it seems like it gives it some kind of credibility by participating. It's almost more evil, almost, because they're doing, because they are following a lot of the traditions, yet they don't believe in anything. Right. So, well, well, are, you, are you acknowledging their, their kind of getting them some legitimacy when you participate in these because we don't want to we just we we're just going to attend this event but even doing that the more i read on it right. it just seems so disturbing the very disturbing right and and i understand they are not as of about three months ago the reconstructionist movement is not permitting heterosexual rabbis to perform any kind of any kind of um ceremonies so there's another problem in the movement. It, oh, that'll make 
<laughs> All right, so, but that's 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 not an orthodox joke. That's like a, in the conservative movement, yeah. they like kid around, like because there is a uh, for some strange reason they don't they don't they only allow gay rabbis, or that seems to be a a preponderance. Uh, there there is a, another difference, I should say, and I probably have just lost like forty lectures over the next year by by making this point. So I just I will say this. In the Messianic movement, which is a Christian movement, there are some Pentecostal Messianic congregations, but there, and there's some non, some are Baptist, some are Assembly of God associated, some are affiliated with the Lutheran Church, and so on. So, but whereas the Messianic movement, there is a diabolical, premeditated, systematic plan and plot to use messianic congregations in order to infiltrate the jewish community seduce jews into baptism who would otherwise resist a straightforward christian message and that everyone virtually everyone in the messianic movement is well aware of the predatory nature of this movement its purpose is to convert jews to christianity and they will say we're just jewish and we believe in yeshua because they want to get a foothold in folks in the rec- reconstructionist movement are not doing that i, I could say this and I-, I said what i said about reconstructionist rabbis that may be problematic but i'll say one thing uh, in support of reconstructionist rabbis and that is that they at least know more than their congregants do uh, the, the, those who fill the pews in Reconstructionist congregations really know nothing about the faith that they are not a part of or they have abandoned. They don't. They only know what they're being told, and they're they're not trying to get you to become Reconstructionist. They're not going to try to generally challenge your faith. So they're not predatory by nature they're simply a a um, a sectarian denomination that sort of places a little more emphasis on tradition but in fact in virtually insists that there is no personal god god does not hear you know prayers now they pray but like god doesn't hear them which is very strange to me it seems irrational because if I didn't believe in God, I sure wouldn't be wasting my time talking to him. So to me, it's a very strange movement. You know, it, it, is. N- it is. N- now you have to ask yourself the question, you know, if you agree that your family members are not, you know, if you agree with me, they're not, they're innocent. They just don't know any better. May have lost you there. So here's what I would say to Carol offline. If you... If you conclude that your family members don't know any better, and if their lives were filled with Torah, they would embrace the faith of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and reject a denomination that's largely, if you take the fundamental um, teachings of the Jewish faith, which is largely founded on every principle that opposes it, uh, but if you conclude that it, that they're not doing this for any nefarious reason, which I'm sure they're not, that you probably would want to seek out, you know, have family harmony and and find a way to to celebrate and to share in a way that does not have a create a family explosion. So that's what I will say. 
And I think we lost the line there. So uh, let me give out the number again, 1-800-270-4288. That's the number to dial anywhere around the world. Let's go to another caller. We have Jonathan joining us from the state of California. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hello? Jonathan, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Yes. Yes, tell me. I, I respectfully disagree with you about the uh, Messianic movement. And here's why. I'm a Christian, and I, I went to one of these things in in uh, one of their one of their conferences down in Irvine, California. And it was one of the most wonderful events I ever went to. And you talk about a personal relationship with God. They they actually that is one of their foremost uh, emphasis, and it's not like the Reconstructionist movement at all. And uh, their their uh, outreach, I think, isn't isn't so much to try to force Jews to become to become Christians. Their outreach is that uh, Christians that that uh, that were either found out that they were Jewish or 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 whatever you know uh, through their heritage, or were raised Jewish and converted to Christianity. It's giving them. Uh, an outlet to to come back to Israel, a way to a way to identify with the land of Israel, and uh, I saw nothing but genuineness at this convention. And these people were the nicest people I've ever met. And and uh, I'm a I'm a Christian, and the worship service was to God. It didn't. It did. It, they, I didn't see an emphasis on them to to change the Jews. I saw more an emphasis to relate the Old Testament to the New Testament. And I know I know how you feel about that. But right. uh, these were beautiful people, wonderful people, and uh, they. In fact, a lot of them love you. And from what I understand, there's a they couple of them that, that have called you. They they and they, they better they, love me. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just kidding. They, they, of course, they love they, me. They respect you more than you know, and and uh, and and there was there was a little phobia talk at the convention. Really? In fact, more than a little phobia talk, and uh, and and it was all positive. And uh, I I think I think you're you, you may be a little a little wrong in your thinking of of what their motivation is. Right. Their motivation is that I could see was pure of heart, and uh, and and as a Christian, you know, I I see Israel as God's land. As Jews, they see Israel. The the Messianic movement sees Israel as God's land. They don't believe that they're going to take it away from the Jews. They do believe that that the Jews are going to come around. Uh, to that way of thinking, to the to the Isaiah fifty three way of thinking, that uh, that there is a, a fusion that that God has with the First Testament, and I said the Old Testament before, but I, I prefer to say the First Testament and the Second Testament of God, hmm. and uh, meaning not that the First Testament is at all abolished. In fact, Jesus said that uh, He didn't come to abolish. Uh, the old, the Old Testament, what people call the Old Testament, I don't know why, but uh, uh, he said he came to fulfill it. Hmm. 
Matthew and, chapter and, five, verse seventeen and eighteen. I, let me let me say the reason why Christians call the Jewish Bible the Old Testament is based on Hebrews chapter eight, verses seven through the last verse, verse thirteen. Uh, and that's where the term old comes from, and that's why it has that term. But let me, I want to say, first of all, that is, you understand, as as those English words are interpreted to the original Hebrew words, it it probably meant the first testament of the Bible. And, and, you know, there's a lot lost in translation, and you understand that. You, You, of all people, should understand that. Sure, I do. Let me let me say this to you, first of all, Jonathan. I first of all, I so appreciate your demeanor, and I know you're not doing this just to be nice. I know you have a heart of gold, and I'm not patronizing you. I just love it when people when people are able to express these things, although you disagree with me on very important issues. So it is uh, deeply appreciated. Let me also Can I say, say one thing. Go right ahead. One more thing. As a as a Christian, uh, and I'll, I'll be I'll be honest and upfront with you. I I fear for the salvation of of any unbeliever. I mean that that they won't become, you know, that they won't come to know that Jesus Yeshua as a Messiah. And but you know you have you have your your life set before you. You you can decide and. Uh, and that is that is between you and God. But I believe that a Jewish person should should con- completely embrace their Jewishness, as the Bible says. And mm-hmm. the Targum and the uh, Talmud, they're great. Uh, uh, um, what would you call them? Commentaries. Commentaries. They're but great, but they're not. There is no replacement. There is no replacement for the Torah and the Tanakh. Right. Let, let, me do, let, me, let me do this with you, Jonathan. First of all, let me say that I love Messianic Jews and folks like you, Christian Zionists, so much, and I'm not being sarcastic, that I have devoted my entire life to reaching out to you and to Jewish people who have. are in Messianic congregations. So, you know, when I say that I care, this is not just like talk. Like, I love them so deeply that... For the last 30 years of my life, all I have done is devoted to them, not by condemning them, not by, but by sharing the Bible, Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, to illustrate to them, based on the teachings of God, why Jesus is not the promised Jewish Messiah. I, I just want to say that. One other point I want to say, Jonathan, is there is no theological difference whatsoever between the Messianic movement and a the and a Christian Protestant Zionist. There's there's Oh no, no you're wrong. No? It's okay. way different. Are you let me it's just ask you different. a question. Let me just ask you a question. And by the way, we're going to a news break in a little bit and I'd like you to stay on because I find this very intriguing. I I want to sort this out with you. That means you're you've identified yourself as a Christian. You've identified yourself as a Zionist. Uh you're not Jewish. And the question is, what do you believe or reject 
that a messianic Jew does not believe or embraces. That means what area of, especially in the area of soteriology, of salvation, What's the difference between you, you as a Christian, and a Messianic Jew? What What do they believe differently? Nothing. Okay, so then you're agreeing with me. That there is no. But but but, but don't well, hold it, hold it. I'm uh, not a typical Christian because there's <laughs> know, a lot of Christians. I know I don't like there's most a Christians. lot of Christians out there that believe that they replace the Jews uh, in the Bible, and that is them. just wrong. We're we're not talking it's about wrong. Them. Well, I agree with you. That means you, you can understand. I'm well aware of that. That means I'm talking about Christian Zionists who love Israel. We're talking about Elwood McQuaid, who's a Baptist. We're talking about the Southern Baptist Convention. Talking about the, the Missouri Senate. These are very, these are. Not the same. The Southern Baptists, a lot of them believe in replacement theology. No, but I'm talking about those who don't believe in replacement theology. And the majority, at least the movement doesn't espouse it. The key point is this, that you're a Christian, you're a Zionist. There are millions of wonderful folks like you throughout not just the United States, but around the world. There is no difference, and you've conceded this, there's no difference between what you believe and a Messianic Jew or Messianic Judaism believes. So you're conceding. Because I think, I think uh, Tovia, what you're seeing is, is the Christian church starting to, to chip away at some of those beliefs that, that they once held dear that are not uh, in accordance with the Torah and the Tanakh. I, That's I, what you're seeing. You're not seeing, you're not seeing, you're not seeing uh, uh, the Messianic scene, because they're not. They don't say to the Christians, hey, this replacement theology that you have, it's good, it's right. It's not good. It's not right. It is not backed up by the Torah. It's not backed up by the Tanakh. It was not backed up by Jesus Christ. Okay, well, but Jew. that's I see. We don't disagree on that. So my my question is, if you take someone like Cyrus Schofield, the author of the Schofield Bible, or um, you know, you take someone who's a premillennial dispensationalist. You take a guy like Moody, for example. These are Christians, right? No one would doubt they are. What they believe is precisely what someone in the messianic movement believes. So that when I suggest, no, it's not precisely Tobia. No, well, where is no, the difference? Put using those words, that's where you're making a mistake. It's not just, precisely the ahead, same as the messianic me. movement. You ought to go to one of their conferences, and I, I get, can th- I, I get can thrown call out back. every time. Every time I go, they throw me out. Oh, come on. <laughs> you don't get thrown out. I do. I promise. And they would love you. They're, they're hugging you. You know it. Uh, I'll I, come I anytime. Know. If you can get me in, you I'll my go. leg, man. I will say this to you. If you, and I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm on air, so you can hold me up. If you can get me into one of them, I will go. You have a commitment right now. I will get you the plane ticket, and I will get you the, the, you know what? You've set me a challenge to you. you I will go. send you the plane ticket. I will send you the accommodations right. and the whole the whole program. Do you want to stay on to the news break and talk more? Yes, or? I'd love to. Right. I'd love so, to. But I do commit to this. If you can get me into any messianic conference in the world, I am there. And I'm saying this on air. You're listening to singer Israel National Radio. Jonathan has the courage to join me on air. Thank you, Jonathan. We'll be back with him. After the news, do not touch the dial. Nasa, <laughs> 
Get your very own copy of the New York Times from May 15, 1948, declaring the state of Israel's independence. A full-size reprint of the entire newspaper covering Israel's reestablishment. Own a piece of history. Click on IsraelCelebrates60.com. Over 25,000 copies have been distributed. That's IsraelCelebrates, the number 60.com. If you love Israel and you're coming to the Holy Land, you need Israel's best tour guide. See Israel like you've never seen it before. Mayor Eisenman will take you around the country for an educational and fun experience. Each tourist gets a personally designed tour. The land of the Bible, the land of the Tanakh, comes alive in the hands of an energetic and experienced tour guide. Visit IsraelByMayor.com. That's IsraelByMayor, M-E-I-R, or email him directly at IsraelByMayor at gmail.com. Left-wingers don't know what to do with him. Anti-Semites hate his guts. They would give anything to get him off the radio. Tovia Singer, coming up next on Israel National Radio. Singer here. Israel National Radio, IsraelNationalRadio.com. Radio Shalom, getting ready for Purim Shabbat, not in that order. 1-800-270-4288. Call now. Then I found my place. Now I'm in Yeshiva. All right. Special space. Never thought I would find. Look at me. All right. We are back. The Chief Rabbi of the Occupied Territories joining you right here on Israel National Radio, taking your calls. We had, we should have Jonathan is still there calling us from California. And Jonathan, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. All right, great. Hey, so I, I, I just want to give kind of a just a, a, a kudos for the conference. Not so much that I'm trying to advertise to them, but my family went. All seven of us, my wife and my five children, and you know, two, three of my uh, children are teenagers. We had a great time, and my kids were uh, my older son. And uh, one of my younger sons may have been a little bit apprehensive about going, but we had a wonderful time there. And they, what they were doing that I see, what the Messianic movement is doing, they are providing a lot of support for Israel. And they are doing it in such a way that the Christian can understand, the, the, the Goyim can understand our, our place in the Bible and that, uh, and the truth that we're blessed by the Jewish people, hmm. and um, my kids. Do we? St- I lost sound on my guest. I don't know if we have my caller is. Is Jonathan still there? Because I lost sound. I don't know if the other listeners have sound there, but we kind of lost it. Do we have it there? All right, one eight hundred. It wasn't personal, Jonathan. Just call back. Same thing happened to Carol a moment ago. It's 1-800-270-4288, the number to dial anywhere around the world. And Jonathan, if you can call back, we'll we'll throw you right back on. And um, I, I think a point should be made, but I should wait till Jonathan gets back, is 
naturally we find a, a great spiritual passion in many different religions. I think that's the most disorganized arena. of. Do we have Jonathan back? Okay, Jonathan, you there? Jonathan? Let's see. Uh, the, have... the beauty of, of what they're doing is they're bringing us as Goyam Christians back to the reality of what the, the Torah and the Tanakh says. All right. Let, and, let, me, uh, let, me, let me. I don't mean to interrupt you, Jonathan. But what I want to do is just, you know, sort this out. I want to sort this out with you. You sure. know, naturally, in every religious system, you will find people who are deeply, deeply committed, devout, and they derive an enormous amount of spiritual growth in any religion. You know, it's not just a Protestant movement like the Messianic movement. Uh, but it could be in Islam, it certainly could be in Judaism, we find that in Tanakh. So the fact that people derive intense spirituality from it or benefit from it is not, for me, a barometer of truth. For the Jewish people, the question is, what is God's opinion? What does God think? Are the yeah. are the fund let me just finish this point, Jonathan. Are the fundamental teachings consistent, congruent with Tanakh, with the Hebrew Scriptures, or are they in opposition to them? Now, even if, let's say, it is hard to be a Jew, and it's, you're in a very difficult matzav, in a difficult predicament, but it's still the truth, and we still follow it, and sometimes the truth isn't comfortable, and doesn't, it, it's not something that's happy, but you do because you, like Abraham, he was tested in areas that were not pleasant for him. So I will say this to you that you know I've been to messianic conferences in the past. They weren't delighted that I was there, and I certainly would like to be at one. But the only question that I address is, who is your God? Who do you worship? What does God believe? What does the Tanakh say? So if any movement claims to speak in the name of God or claims to have the truth, that claim cannot be simply embraced because people enjoy themselves at their conferences, as your family clearly have. But the question we ask is, is it consistent with the teaching of Tanakh? Now, I'll say this, that the teachings of the Messianic movement, which, as you know by now, are not different than what a Christian like you believes, who is a Zionist, and there are tens of millions of Christian Zionists in America. There's no distinction between them, but they are... Those teachings are not consistent with the teachings of the Jewish scriptures. They're in opposition to it. And that's why we, that's why I am devoted to reaching out to folks like you, not Jewish, and to Jewish people in the Messianic movement, because I want them to come home, not to a joy of a conference, but to come home to the truth of the, of, of Judaism, the beauty of the Jewish faith, the truth of it. So the fact that, the fact that they're pro-Israel, there are many, many Christians who are deeply pro-Israel. I've met many Christians, and I don't doubt this, who have shared with me that they would have given, they would give their lives for the state of Israel. I've met many such people. So the fact that they love I'm Israel, of... well, there you go. I've met um, members of the U.S. forces. I have met people who would gladly, James Woosley, the former CIA director, I mean, he's told me this personally. So... You could be a non-Jew. You could believe in a number of things but love Israel. But the key question is, who is your Lord? Who do you worship? How do you conduct your life? And, you know, I'll tell you this, Jonathan. If Jesus, 
naturally Christians believe, and you've said this before, that if you don't believe in Jesus, you know, you're lost, and you're worried about me, you're going to go to hell, right? And the, and the New Testament says that. But on the other hand, Jonathan, if Jesus is not the Messiah, and the doctrine of the Trinity mentioned nowhere in the Jewish scriptures, not a single place, is in fact not of God, then believing that doctrine, worshiping a man as God, even you would concede is idolatry. It's sinful. And idolatry damns the soul. So there's so much at stake. You can understand, Jonathan, why I would reach out to you and Jews in the Messianic movement. Certainly so, because that's the real question. Not if you know, you're having a good time at the convention or you're pro-Israel. Does that make well, sense? Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you a few anecdotal things, and then uh, I want to tell you first, though, that the more I study in the Old Testament and the Torah and the Tanakh, the more I find out that the Messianics are correct. Because where I heretofore didn't read, I was almost willing to take on the, <clears throat> I never did, and I always felt in my gut that it was wrong, but I was almost heading the direction of the, uh, uh, at least being, being compelled by the Christian church in America to head the direction that there was somehow, and I'm saying the Christian church, I don't mean the evangelicals, because a lot of them feel like I do, but I uh, was almost being compelled by the idea that somehow we replace Israel Hmm. And that is just so wrong, and God always put it in my gut that was wrong. Hmm. And, uh, and so I never, I never held on to that. In fact, I, I always felt foreign to the people that held the view that uh, there was a replacement for the, for the Jews hmm. as a Christian. I, it, it was just never right. It never settled right. Never res- it never it, resonated it almost, for you. It almost, it, every time, every church that felt that way, I could not hmm. keep, I could not stand. Right, and right. The messianics are, are uh, their view is the same as that, and and as I as uh, I read in the Old Testament, I am encouraged that Jesus was right. I am encouraged that that uh, in fact, and and I don't know the scripture like you where I can quote it, and I don't have it right here in front of me. But when I read, and and I and and I believe the Torah and the Tanakh as much as I do uh, the New Testament, there. <clears throat> In fact, one thing, one thing uh, that happened at the at the conference that is the anecdotal thing that that I thought was for me was good, um, and you may consider it very trivial, but I was wearing the kippa because I wanted to show solidarity. But I realized this one, you know, we we were going up the elevator, and one of the guys uh, that were speaking, and first I didn't recognize him as one of the speakers. He was going up the elevator with us. We had a pile of pizzas, and evidently he smelled the ham in the pizza. And uh, and he says, uh, you know, you guys are dishonoring the the kippa. You know, you've got you've got meat and cheese there. You know, you've got ham there, and you know, and it really put a burden on my heart. And in fact, from that day forward. I don't eat pork, and I've always had a bad thing about pork. God has always put a, a thing in my heart about no pork. 
All right. Let me jump in here, Jonathan, for just a second. I, I, I Please forgive me. I'm not trying to interrupt you. Just where it's live radio, so very, very limited in time. So I, I want to just I want to share my thoughts with you on that. Okay. First of all, a kippah um, that a man an, or, or a traditional Jewish man wears is not found in the Bible. It's rabbinic. It's I not understand a, it. It's not I understand that. So what but now? But it's an outward sign. But it isn't. That means that the Bible is. It's kind well, of saying. Well, let me let me suggest. Let me just finish this thought with you. The Bible says that you may not add to the law nor take away from it. Right. So right. by adding a tradition that's not biblical, is not simply if the rabbis do not have an authority from God, it's not simply a nice thing to do. What they're doing is according to Christian teachings, is they're adding to the law, which is forbidden, which is sinful. See, what the Messianic movement does is it it uses rabbinic traditions, setting aside scriptural texts, but they use, they, they use rabbinic traditions, which are not a part of the Christian Bible. They're not a part of the Christian tradition. They're a part of traditional Judaism or Pharisaic Judaism, rabbinic Judaism, as they call it, and I think that's a mistake. The other thing is that, you know, you know, Paul in the Christian Bible condemns non-Jews who seek to keep the law. You'll find that in the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 3, where Paul says, Who bewitched you, you Galatians, seeking to keep the law? And in Romans oh, yeah. chapter... Can I stop you for a well, second? Just one more point, and then you can go. Let me, one, one point, point Just one more point, Jonathan. Just one, like okay. two sentences... And then go right ahead. In Romans chapter 7, Paul is addressing Jewish people. He says he refers to his brethren, to those who know the law. And he says that you need to be dead to the law because the law can't save you. So I would say this, that what the Messianic movement does is it, it conveniently selects commandments that it would, you know, rabbinic commandments that look, that are very visible, like a kippah or lighting Sabbath candles. It does not observe fundamental scriptural laws like messianics cook on the sabbath they dr- drive on the sabbath they're all that's explicitly scriptural violation and i would say that's the problem that we have with it now you go right ahead jonathan well anyway when paul was talking about that it's because they were they were uh enforcing that upon uh the 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 uh the church was enforcing that upon uh, the people in such a way that it wasn't it wasn't becoming to uh, the glance. And and uh, what I see is he was ba- basically trying to uh, tell them, you know, as as Christ had said that the law the law is is important. And and I think it was more a matter of legalism that he was pointing out there. It wasn't a matter. It wasn't a matter of. I mean, do do Jews condemn one another if one of their Jewish friends who is not a Christian or a messianic do they condemn one another if their Jewish friend drives uh, his car on Sabbath on yes, Shabbat? Yes, but not necessarily with condemnation. Most well, Jewish but, people. But well, let me just what, finish your I question. Think that's what Paul was saying. Well, but that's not what he's saying. If you look at if you look at Galatians three, Paul is not stating that you know you're you're 
you're putting too much emphasis on the letter. What he actually does is he sets up two covenants, the covenant made with Abraham and Haran when Abraham was 70 years old, and a second covenant 430 years later that he made with the Jewish people of Mount Sinai. And he asks the question, how could the covenant based on faith undermine the the covenant that's based on the law? So Galatians chapter 3 is not a criticism like Matthew 23, where it's where sort of a criticism of the Jews for putting all this emphasis on details of law. Galatians chapter 3 is a monumental theological work that says we don't have to keep the law. And Galatians 3 is addressing Gentiles. Romans 7 is addressing Jewish people. I, I wouldn't, you know, choose you know, other texts. So, you know, that's what the verse says. But regardless, all this messianic is is Christian. That's the point. It's it's not Jewish, and they're using rabbinic traditions. Do you, the Messianic Jews, they all cook on the Sabbath. They all drive on the Sabbath, right? They all light a fire. No, no not no. all of them, no. Well, let me ask you this. No. I mean, in fact, in a, some, of them, some of them, uh, many of them did not. All right. If you and go, uh, I don't know that all of them, all of them didn't. All of them, some of them, some of them did drive and did, uh, they went to a restaurant to eat. You know, because we're you know we're at a, we're at the Hyatt Regency, but uh, here's a, here's a, here's a, just something that I want to do. This All is right. what I one thing I want to do. Go ahead. I want to be able to convert to Judaism, but the problem is is I I know just in my heart that they're going to say you know you got to give up this Christianity thing, uh, Jonathan. Well, that's the and, same uh, thing, Jonathan. That's now you're a married man. The Almighty blessed you with a beautiful family, right? Yes, right. You're but, right, right. You are very blessed. I can tell. So, but the question is this: if um, if you were going to marry a woman, and you told her, "I love you, and I want to marry you," but I have another girlfriend. I think she would oppose the relationship with you. She says, I'm not going to marry you because you've got this other relationship. So, of course, the door is, let me just finish. Of course, the door is open for your conversion, but you must put away everything that is unclean. And your belief in Jesus, while it is sincere, it is not godly. It's not holy. And that's why I would encourage you, Jonathan, I'm willing to do this with you, to study with you, to go through Scripture with you, and for you to test what I'm saying, because it's not if I sound convincing or, you know, if you like me or admire me. It's about, like, what does God think? I'd be willing to study with you, because how could you come into a marriage with God if you still have a relationship from the past? And that's the issue. Because because in my heart, I see that the, the Jewish scriptures are true. And mm. in my heart, I see that the Jew Jesus was was right and in my in my eyes and in my brain and in my heart i read the i read the old testament and i see jesus all over it and right. and uh that is why and and i can't i i'm a man that seeks after truth just like i said uh with the with the uh, uh the replacement theology it god put it in my heart that that was wrong and it's held true but he hasn't put put it in my heart that the that the that the Jews are wrong, and he hasn't put it in my heart that Jesus was wrong, and I seek truth, and I always do. And are you willing? Let me ask you, Jonathan. I, again, I'm sorry. You, you obviously care so much about this. You want to share about it, but my question is: Would would you be willing to study with me, 
with an open mind, and I'd be listening to you, because you talk about you study it and it touches your heart, Jesus does, and your, your eyes when you see it. You know, there's a verse in the Bible in Numbers 15 that says, which means don't follow after your heart and after your eyes, which can lead you astray. So I would say this, that you know, instead of following hard eyes, why not just follow what the text says in the Bible? And I know you believe you are, so please don't. I don't mean that in any in a way that to put you down. What I am asking is that you would consider hearing the other side with an open mind, studying Scripture with me, and you know, consider why does Judaism reject the fundamental teachings of Christianity. What do you think? Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. So that's what I'd like I, I, to do. Like I say, I, I'm a man that, see, that seeks after truth. But, right. uh, you know, it's good. It, it, you can't, uh, well, I don't think that, the, and I say this with no disrespect, and, I, and this isn't to be a slap in the face, but the Rabbi Jesus, uh, a lot of, a lot of what he, uh, all of what he said, stood up for the Old Testament. It stood up, it stood up, stood up, stood up for uh, the authenticity, for the for the uh, um, correctness, for the rightness of the Old Testament. He never. L- let me ever suggest this. Let, let me, and I hear what you're saying, John. With Old only with, with two minutes left, Jonathan, there's a huge problem here, Jonathan. That is, Jesus didn't write anything in the New Testament. So what we have is a Christian Bible, Greek scriptures, that says that Jesus said these things or did these things, right? Now, if you... But Jews wrote those texts. Well, you don't know that. Who, who was Jewish in the New Testament who wrote it besides Paul? I mean, Matthew? Uh, well, there was, there was Philip. He was Jewish. There was there was uh, Matthew. He was Jewish. Luke. Now, now but the, uh, Mark, the problem John. is, well, think about this. Who wrote the book of Matthew? Matthew. How do you know? Well, how do you? You, you uh, can say that. It's not a trick question. Any, any book no, it Bible, says though, no, so no, no. Yeah. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah says these are the visions of Isaiah. I'm asking you, and it says it. How do you know that Matthew wrote the book of Matthew? Let alone if he was How Jewish. How do I know that Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah? No, he says it. That means he at least makes the claim to have written it. Jeremiah makes the claim to have written the book of Jeremiah. The question is, who who makes even the claim to have written the book of Matthew? You see what I'm talking about? Tradition, Christian tradition that's assumed. So we don't know who wrote it. We don't know how many people wrote it. It's an anonymous document. Right. Well, who, Not, who wrote the book of Genesis? Well, the God of Israel did. God gave the Torah to Moses, okay. so we know that. To Moses, right? But wrote, Moses wrote it down. But my question is, it it. right? But my question is, who wrote the book? That means that Ma- the Book of Matthew is anonymous. It doesn't state that this doesn't even claim that this was written by. We have to go to the but, news break. If you want to stay on, you can. I, you, I can. I'm glad I will. to. I'll, I'll, if I can. All right. I Nobody touch the dial. I don't know how much time we have left. Eight. Don't call. Love you, Sylvia.